Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your go-to resource for all things pipeline and revenue production in the tech sales world. Technology marketing, sales development, sales, and revenue operations have combined to create the go-to market engine fueling the success of SaaS startups and established companies alike. Each week, the Sales Development Podcast dives deeply into the strategies, tactics, people, processes, and technology that fuels the revenue machine. The Sales Development Podcast is brought to you by Tenbound. Get more free resources, insights, and intelligence today at tenbound.com. And be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am very excited to dive in with my next guest, Matt Sorensen, the co-founder and CEO of ClearBit. How are you doing today, Matt? Doing pretty well, pretty well. Thanks for having me. Almost got through that without messing it up. Thanks for coming on. I reached out completely randomly on LinkedIn. I saw a video of you coming back into the fold at ClearBit. You never left, but you're back in action. First and foremost, I've been working with companies in Silicon Valley and beyond for too many years. One of the first things they always say is, okay, we've got data provider one, sales engagement platform two, and then of course, ClearBit. And in the back of my head, I'm always like, what is ClearBit and how does it help, you know, customers? Yeah, well, we've clearly not done a great job of our messaging. The first question is, what is it? But ClearBit is a, we're a data company. We take publicly available data about people, companies, turn that into data sets for B2B sales, marketing, and go-to-market teams. At our core, we're three data sets. We are company data. So information about companies, where they're located, what technologies they use, recent events that have happened, all just everything you can think about for a sales or marketing use case around a company. There are contact data, people that work for those companies and how to get in touch with them. And we are intent data. So how you can know if that person or company is in market for your product. And we started by building data APIs for those three data sets. So we built the data set and then offered it via API, which was kind of a novel thing back in 2015, 2016. Quickly got most of the early adopters of that age as customers, like the Stripes, the Zendesks, the Zetafits, the Ripplings, like all of everyone that had growth engineers was doing kind of crazier stuff with data. And then we slowly built out into you know the middle of the adoption curve with integrations. And now we have a kind of a fully fledged data platform where you can integrate our data with your data and do all sorts of things with it. Okay. So this was very novel in 2015, 2016. And when they would come to you, they have a CRM with a lot of data. They have a sales engagement platform maybe that the sales reps are using. But what was missing in between that you were able to connect and to augment? I mean, at our very simplest, almost every single person that uses us, every customer takes the email address of someone when they sign up, enriches it with over 100 points of data about that person and company, and then syncs that to a CRM or a CDP or their market automation, any part of the stack, really. And our best customers take that on lead creation, and that data goes everywhere. It ends up in the data warehouse and CRM and the sales enablement tools. And it has you know, job title and social profiles and additional contact information and basically everything you might need about that person and company. And that's really the primary use case of almost every customer. On top of that, we do things like using that data to increase conversion. So shortening your website forms, using it to power lead scoring and lead routing, like revenue ops is a big part of the one of our primary 
like user champions of sort of ops teams. Okay. Who would usually purchase ClearBit at the company? Was it mainly operations? Was it sales leaders, marketing leaders? All of the above. I would say that revenue operations, sales operations, marketing operations, and then demand generation. We have quite a bit on the like website intent, form shortening, and increasing conversion side. So we see a lot of demand generation business units as well. Got it. Okay. And it was mainly word of mouth, it seems. I mean, people just, it became like, you pretty much had to have ClearBit at some point a few years ago, and it became word of mouth. And then you were running the company, and then you stepped aside for a while, and then now you've come back in. So what was that process like? Yeah. So candidly, like the company was doing quite well. We were scaling quickly, and we're growing into like, I was personally experiencing some scaling pains. And we brought in an external CEO and new management team to kind of scale us up and take us to the next big milestone. And what changed was LLMs. LLMs have come in and kind of changed the data world pretty significantly. I expect they will change many industries, but the data world is going to be very, very different, I would say within 12 to 18 months. Okay. Interesting. So, and just, sorry, for people that don't know, there's one that you used before, the API. What does that mean? API is application programming interface. What it really is, is just the place for software to talk to other software. So you can build an API into your product, which means it has access to Clearbit functionality and data within your own product. So a lot of our customers would take an API and build it into their custom signup flow or their custom CRM or their custom whatever. But it allows you to use software to access Clearbit data. Got it. And then so that's what really helped things to take off. And then now LLM. LLMs, large language models, artificial intelligence. ChatGPT is something I'm sure almost everyone is familiar with. But these large language models are incredible at navigating data and doing a few different things. Like they generate text in the sales world. A lot of people are writing emails with them, right? But in the data world, they're very, very good at categorization. So choosing between options. And they're incredibly good at extraction. So recognizing certain pieces of text within a document, for example. Both of those do a lot for data companies. So we spent the last eight years turning the unstructured data of the internet into structured data for sales and marketing teams. And that's what LLMs do. They turn unstructured data into structured data, or they're very good at that. So saw a big opportunity there to kind of reinvent some of the core products and candidly do stuff that we've never been able to do before. So that's why I'm back. You couldn't stay away. Couldn't stay away. (laughs) Okay. So, and you're saying that this is going to revolutionize data. You didn't say that. I'm making up. (laughs) You're putting this together that you really see a huge opportunity applying LLMs to the data problem. So where do you see that going? So we've been working with LLMs for about two and a half months now, re, like reinventing the data set. And we've seen some incredible changes to our data in that time period. But the biggest is we now can process, enrich, and categorize any website in the world, as long as they have about two paragraphs of text on them in any language. So that means that we can cover companies that we could never cover before in Japan and elsewhere, anywhere where it's like previously we were very Latin character and English language dependent. Now we can enrich everything. And that has like massive impact on our company data set, the accuracy of our international data, 
and also our contact and our person data set. Super, it's like a relatively simple thing, but it has massive, massive impact. And so you would sell this to directly to the business buyer. Do you work with like data company, bigger data companies and sell it on the back end as well? Or is it just directly to? We don't sell our data to other data companies. We do power a lot of the sales and marketing application layer. So your like your gongs, your qualifieds, and folks that are building the kind of like you know B2B application layer, if they want data within their product, they use our APIs to build those features. I see. Okay. And so it's almost like you're doing something completely unique. I mean, do you have any competitors who I mean, I don't know, this is a loaded question, but I've never heard of anybody doing something like what Clearbit does. Well, so we have plenty of competitors, right? Okay. So all of your sales Where data. Where have I been? I don't know. <laughs> data vendors, right? So Zoom Info, everyone else that is selling contact data in some way, they can be with us. Zoom has acquired a company that does, every time we built a new feature over the last six, seven years, about a year and a half later, they would acquire a company that did that. And now they've acquired a bunch of companies that do stuff that we don't. So they've gotten ahead. But we have, there's a decent amount of competition. Like candidly, data is a commodity. And company data, facts about people and companies are a commodity. Commodity businesses aren't bad. They're just a little bit different than some of the other software businesses we think about. Okay. And so do you consider what you're doing a commodity business? The act of acquiring data, cleaning it, normalizing it, and selling it, sure. That data is a commodity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the value add is the expertise that you're bringing to push that forward. It's not like you're, when I think of a commodity, it's like bananas or something. I don't know what the, I don't know what the example is. I yeah. think commodities are sometimes misunderstood. Like the quality of the commodity matters, right? So like Exxon, they sell a commodity, right? But they have the source, they have the distribution, they have the refinement and they have a bunch of different kind of like moves of i guess power or leverage that make their oil better than other people's oil or at least we're willing to pay more for it so the way i see it is our advantages the place where we are the best commodity is in how we source our data how we process and clean that data and how we deliver that data so it's everything from data sources to our like cleaning and processing pipeline, and then all of our integration. So I always serve that down to customers. Okay. And you're six months ahead of... <laughs> so somebody from Zoom Info is watching this. You could buy Matt's company or just one of their, you know, try to stay. They're like right behind you, you know, jumping behind. <laughs> so it's interesting. They do a lot of things really, really well. We're a fan of their work. Okay. And so taking it back a step. So say I'm talking to like a VP of revenue operations and they're struggling because they can't find very specific pieces of data that they need to be able to enrich their database. Why would they call Clearbit? The places where Clearbit does best and the companies that we do the very best for are the ones that see a pretty significant amount of signal. So either they're a product-led growth company or they have a big content machine and they see a lot of leads every month and they need to find the signal and the noise of their inbound. That's like one of our very best use cases because we can do a couple things. We can add the data. We can help them use that data to increase conversion. And we do that by shortening forms, by sending sales alerts, by helping them do scoring and routing. 
And then the last one is we have an intent data set that helps them understand the accounts that are visiting their website. So people that visit your website but never fill out a form, we can help identify what companies those are. And you can use that to either prospect and create campaigns, send sales alerts, all of that kind of stuff. Got it. Okay. But that's super helpful. And so if you see LLM coming to the fore now, what are you excited about working over the next 12 to 18 months, you know, to push Clearbit forward? Yeah. I mean, the opportunity to innovate on product has never been greater. Like in the entire life span of Clearbit, the opportunity to innovate has never been this big. So I am so excited about that. There's so much white space and there's opportunity to do things that with data that we just couldn't do before. And it continues to accelerate. I don't know how fast it's going to go, but it's been really, really fun, like building and reinventing some of these core pieces and watching like the thing we were working on two weeks ago and sometimes just get solved by the time we're halfway through the project. OpenAI comes out with something new. And then one of the new open source LLMs comes out with a new version. Like the pace of innovation on the LLM front is accelerating our own innovation pace, which is like really. That is amazing. And how did you get involved in this? Were you a computer programmer or engineer before this? Or, you know, what brought you to start this company? Yeah, I mean, no, I'm not much of an engineer. I learned how to program a little bit as a kid and built websites, ran a small like development agency, but I'm a very poor engineer. But the thing that pulled me into LLMs was I've been running a small venture fund for the last two years, and we invest in API-first companies, developer companies, developer infrastructure, and so got pulled into the LLM world pretty quickly because it's mostly engineers that are working with these right now. And looking at companies to invest in, trying to understand the space. And yeah, just kept getting pulled back to how I could use this for Clearbit. <laughs> opportunities. And yeah, that's why we're here. You were up in the owner's box watching the game. You're like, you know what? I need to get back in the field. Yeah. I mean, it feels <laughs> fun. It feels pretty fun. It's an amazing time. And are you still going to be involved in the venture capital firm? Or are you like 100% back? Yeah, 100% back. I think we have a partner in the fund, two partners in the fund. And candidly, I've had more interesting deal flow in the last two months than I did the previous two months because we're like, we're using the tools, right? We're engaging in this market and I have a different level of access, but also more formed and better formed opinions. Got it. Wow. Okay. Well, watch this space, folks. This is, <laughs> this is, I'm really excited to see you know, what happens and where it goes. Matt, I'm just um, really thankful for you coming on the show and telling us about your vision and where you see this going. If folks are interested and they'd like to learn more, obviously going to the website and what's the best way to contact you? Google.com, find me on Twitter, Matt Sorensen. Okay, I'm going to follow you right. I think I'm maxed out on following people, but I definitely want to watch this space. So Yeah, thank you very much for coming on and we'll talk again soon. For having me. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.